hopefully we can have more conversations about premium panels, advancements in technologies in terms of surfaces, where we're seeing trends, colors, designs, species, wood grains, and from there come up with something that is truly new and unique and, and with that inspiring. Welcome to the Surface and Panel Podcast, your digital symposium. On today's episode, we have a conversation with Tyler Sharp and Patrick Adams. This episode is sponsored by Uniboard. Uniboard, redefining wood. All right, everybody, uh, welcome to another fun-filled issue of uh, the Surface and Panel podcast. I, I have to tell you, I couldn't be more excited. I'm always excited to do these, but I've been looking forward to this for quite a while since I met this amazing young man. Uh, we are uh, privileged today to have Tyler Sharp, product manager of Richelieu, uh, which is, uh, I mean, for those that don't know, this is an amazing organization. Um, the more and more I learn about this company, the more I'm amazed by it. Um, you know, they, they, they don't carry a big, heavy bat in the market. Um, you wouldn't know they're the 800-pound gorilla of the industry. Um, but, uh, you know, over 80,000 customers just in North America, over 110,000 products. And why I'm most excited to talk to Tyler is, uh, is just the, the diversity of the reach of this organization. They manufacture, they import, they distribute. Uh, Tyler, I'm stealing all your introduction thunder. Um, but, but the nice thing is just the diverse reach across the whole industry. And I think it's gonna lead to a really interesting perspective from Tyler, especially during times in the marketplace like this. So welcome to the podcast, Tyler. Sorry for the long-winded introduction. Thanks for having me. It's it's really quite an honor to, to even be considered to be here. Uh, but, but you know, we always have great chats. So looking forward to doing another one today. Absolutely. So, um, so, so even though I gave a, a pretty comprehensive intro, um, you know, fill us in for for anybody who's been living under a rock. Um, you know, fantastic. Give us, yeah, give, yeah. A, give us the overview. Richelieu, uh, we we pride ourselves on being a one stop shop for the woodworking cabinet industry. Um, with that multifaceted offering, uh, but but what we do, and, and something I'm very proud of, is that. Uh, we, we like to be experts. We, we like to dig really deep into what we do. And that's why we have product managers that really focus on one subsection of the industry. And that's what I am. I'm what we call a premium panel product manager. Uh, and so I, I manage and curate all of our imported panel and surface lines that we distribute uh, across Canada and the US. Um, we, we do have, have a reach. We uh, have about 70 locations uh, across Canada and the United States. Uh, of which about 20 of them uh, carry a wide array of different types of panels. Got it, got it. So uh, so you you get a really interesting perspective into the overall marketplace because of of the diversity of your products. I mean, there's there's almost nobody can can fabricate within this industry that doesn't touch somewhere within one of your product lines. It, it's definitely diverse. and and one of the things that that we've been seeing is that, um, a lot of trends are starting to normalize uh, across geographies, which is something I don't think you could have said 10 years ago. Uh, but it, it is really interesting to see the different types of building styles, uh, the different types of products that are important for different geographies. Uh, and so we do see a very different east versus west, north versus south. Uh, and what we do is we try and develop programs that can support any one of those. And that's because uh, our programs are meant to be exceptionally flexible. Right. 
So, so I mean, trends is kind of a, a good, fun place to start. I mean, that that's always seems to be the focal point at Surface and Panel. That's certainly what we try to stay abreast of. Um, you know, what what are you seeing in in terms of trends and surfaces? Oh, again, geographically, it, it it changes so much. But let's let's start in the United States, where where there's been a fundamental shift over the last, I mean, many years, but but very focused recently from. Uh, high pressure laminates to more TFL pre-laminated panels, uh, many of the new technologies that we have coming in. Uh, I think what's what's really driving this is understanding how the two of them work together, TFL and HPL, uh, but then also the, the cost savings that come in, the efficiencies that come in. Um, and so that's something where, where there really isn't a lot of, of education or knowledge in the market. It's something that we're all starting to adapt to. Uh, and I do spend a lot of my time trying to help customers understand uh, how they can use the two of them together, how how they complement each other as opposed to compete with each other. Right. And and how do you balance that as an as an organization and even yourself, you know, in in being the driver of adoption, you know, versus just being reactionary to, you know, a market that may be slower to change? So that that's a great question. Um, what we do is is we present options. That that's really it. Uh, we can't can't tell someone how to run their business better, uh, but we can show you how others are doing it. We can show you how European manufacturers have been doing this for the last few years. How a lot of Canadian manufacturers have adapted. Uh, talk about the difference between building on a residential perspective, a, a frameless versus a face frame kitchen, for example. Uh, and then when you see those options, that that's number one is is a design and style. <clears throat> and I think that that's that's important. Is design and style is is point A, uh, because that's that's what we show to the market. That's one of the things that differentiate ourselves. And then point B is really when you get into the dollars and cents behind it. And very very often I, I get the question. I say they say, well, isn't one of them better? Isn't a high pressure laminate better than a TFL, for example? And it's not binary like that. The the answer is it it depends how you're using it. Uh, horizontal application where you're going to need something that's much more scratch resistant, sure. But uh, I mean, sometimes the savings that come in TFL are in the 50, 75 plus percent range. Uh, when when you're working on projects and you're trying to cut off a, a couple pennies here and there to get a more aggressive bid, um, being able to look at these new technologies that have come out and, and save those types of dollars. Uh, I mean, that's that's game changing. Right, right. So, so I know. I, I mean, historically, the the U.S. has been, uh, you know, slower to adopt, uh, you know, new technology, new trends. I mean, Europe has, has you know, clearly been um, at the forefront of a lot of these new, you know, design trends when it comes to services. And uh, you know, for a long time, I, I mean, our our product lines were were kind of relegated to, you know, apartment buildings and commercial applications. And and so now, you know, we are starting to see high-end design, high-end kitchens, high-end applications. So so are you seeing that adoption curve accelerate or or is it still slow to go and are we still, you know, grossly mm -hmm. trailing behind uh no it's 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 accelerating and it's it's exponential. Uh I mean if if you were to to look at the market and say Oh well, it's four percent larger today than it was yesterday. That may not seem like much, but that can be a two, three times the amount of growth. Uh, and, and you know, I think that there are two things that, that are happening because of the market growing in that way. 
One is we are seeing huge, huge investments from, from companies like Richelieu increasing their support, but also from manufacturers opening up brand new mills, uh, you know, putting new warehouses across North America, increasing their own support. Uh, and that investment's happening because, because they see this trend as well. Uh, the second thing that it's doing is, in my experience, is it's causing a lot of confusion in the market. And it's because I, I think one of the things that you're referencing there that you just referenced is uh, these products were often used, like you said, for apartment buildings. And that's because if you were doing a, you know, a custom kitchen or, or, or again, something custom going back 10, 15 years ago, well, well, you had five species to choose from and you could stain in one of, you know, a hundred different stains, for example, and you had 2,500 paint colors and that was sort of your options. But now you have 10,000 different decorative papers, you have hundreds and hundreds of textures, and then the technologies, uh, when you start looking into, for example, high glosses and super mats, wrapped components and products, uh, it's, it's it, as someone who focuses almost 100% of their time on it, I feel like I'm still on my tippy toes trying to figure out sometimes right. how two of them work together. So, so how, you know, if, if you had a crystal ball and, and you had to forecast, you know, I, I, I mean, I think you articulated really well, you know, kind of a pendulum that's happening within the industry that, you know, whether it's generational or, or we Americans are just slow to adapt. Uh, you know, you had five hardwood species and you had three different, you know, kind of, you know, panel options and a dozen different stain colors. And, and we kind of stuck within that and we redid our kitchens and major rooms, you know, every 15, 20 years. Uh, it seems like the pendulum has swung completely the other way. And now, you know, you're seeing completely radical new design shifts every two to three to four years. And, and what was hot in a kitchen just five years ago now is completely outdated. And realtors are saying, holy cow, you've got to redo your kitchen again if you want to get maximum value. And, uh, and, and so how do you see that settling? Because it's got to cause a lot of market disruption within the supply chain and the manufacturing line. And, and you know, at some point, you've got to be able to reach economy of scale and actually inventory staple lines and and have all the dust settle. So so where do you see us in the pendulum swing? I, I see that there is a, a new understanding that's coming through, which is we can no longer do everything ourselves. If we think that we're going to be able to do 100% of the fabrication and offer all the different types of, of, of design elements that can be incorporated in, well, the problem is you're, you're lacking focus and, and you're starting to lack personal identity of, of what makes your company successful. And that's one of one of my favorite conversations to have is to say, uh, what differentiates a customer between others in their market? Uh, where do they really see that they have a competitive edge? And for some of them, it's it's about understanding one of those specific niches. And so we are global leaders in real wood fabrication, veneer fabrication, uh, working with TFLs or wrap components, et cetera. Um, and, and if that's a focus, then that's great. You, there's a lot of people who have a much deeper understanding in those different areas than I do. Um, but if you're someone that wants to be able to offer an exceptionally diverse range, I think the value chain isn't just about how you source these products, but it's, you know, who can I partner with to help me source very specific components? Uh, you know, let's let's look at a, an interesting line is that when you think about 
uh, craftsmanship in the industry 10 years ago, you think about woodworking. And when I think about some of the craftsmanship with some of our products, I actually think about the edge band engineer that's able to put together a finely, finely tuned finish with corner rounding and polishing stations. Uh, it, it's completely different from that perspective. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you brought up sourcing and, and, you know, there's a lot of different elements that come into play, especially in a rapidly changing marketplace. You know, I mean, how, how do you see the role of distribution playing, you know, kind of within that rapidly changing environment where we're, we're constantly having, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of throw a lot at you right now. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, then let you talk for a while, but you know, when when you have so many um, design options and consumers, you know, literally have now have the full gamut instead of you know five woods and three doors and twelve stains. Now they can go, you know, full, you know, lacquer, bold colors to traditional to something that looks just like the five woods and and twelve stain colors, but half the cost or the same cost and just last twice as long. Um, that's a ton of options. And then you break up the geographies. Um, how do you, you know, how, how important is it for a company like yourself and other companies in the industry to be strategic about their sourcing? And then, and then how does distribution really play a role in that? To, to my way of thinking, it makes distribution even more important in that rapidly changing marketplace. Wow. So lot, lots to like cover there. Said, I threw a lot at you, um, right? Lot, lots to cover. Let's let's start off with, with where I see us uh, adding value. Uh, when I think about Richelieu, Richelieu doesn't develop or, or doesn't provide a single product. Everything is a program. So for every single product line that I look at, what I want to try and bring to market is all the tools that a customer would need to be able to work with and fabricate this at their own level. Um, and, and so that includes really just a handful of items. Your, your standard three-quarter inch panel might come in four foot wide, five foot wide, seven foot wide, but a standard three-quarter inch panel. Uh, when available, a matching horizontal grade high-pressure laminate. Uh, edge band in two different widths. So you can look around and you start to see with design having the ability to do thinner or thicker edges uh, really adds a really nice, uh, you know, uh, more options in that sense. And then lastly is having a component offering. Uh, and so if somebody doesn't have, I mean, when, again, when I think about edge banders, not to bring us back, it's just not reasonable that everybody can invest in a 75,000, 100, 150, some of them 250,000 plus edge bander. Right. But being able to have access to one, well, that's where component programs come in to offer a perfect PUR edge, to offer a uh, perfect uh, infrared or laser on a nice gloss panel. Uh, so that's that's where Richelieu comes in is really focusing on on developing this program offering so that the customer has the flexibility to do a wide range of different designs that are custom for their for their customer. Uh, you know where where Richelieu falls in, in in the grander scheme or distribution in the grander scheme. Um, part of it is is understanding the products that are coming in because when someone looks at at let's say a high gloss product and they're trying to consider an acrylic versus a lacquer versus a PET, PVC polymer uh, versus one of the wide other ranges that are available. Well, well, it's not as easy again as saying what's better one or the other. It's, it's just not binary. You have varying levels of it. 
And so I think that that what Richelieu does is they do the level of due diligence that you can't expect every individual customer to do on every single product. And right. that's it. We we stand behind our products. Uh, and that's why often it does take uh, months, sometimes years to get a product line from the idea and the conception of how grand and amazing would it be to be able to you know, offer this to our clients and, and help them be able to integrate this uh, to actually having samples and stock ready to go uh, is because we, we just, we, we test, we research, we consider, you know, multiple different avenues uh, and then we choose a lane and we say, this is the technology that we see moving forward. And this is where we want to invest, not so much money in warehouse space, but, but our education time teaching mm. our sales reps and, and educating our customers where we see the market going. Right, right. Now, now, how does how does the distributor manage? Um, how do you manage now, you know, all of this, this new capacity and this new innovation domestically versus, you know, the, the traditional importing a lot of these, you know, high end designs and high end products? I mean, at the end of the day, you've only got so much space that it, it is difficult and and from a you know from a, an inventory perspective if we have a product that we bring in from overseas uh, we target a four to six month supply uh, to be able to better manage that which is is substantial uh, and then along those same lines you, you mentioned the crystal ball earlier if, if I had the crystal ball to know what was going to sell and where it was going to sell you know life would be much much easier. Uh, and that's that's where we really rely on uh, our inventory being relatively spread out is that we have our major hubs and our major hubs do transfers to different areas. And in some areas, we can guarantee next day delivery and in other areas, we can guarantee next week delivery. Uh, but all in all, what what we want to do, our goal is to make these different programs easily accessible as if they were domestic lines. Uh, and because we have such a, a large amount of stock uh, that's often the the type of of feeling that we're able to portray and to give to our customers. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, with that being said, it it does provide us with a, a lot of options and uh, even almost an insurance policy because we saw the industry just completely stop and halt very recently. And it was the fact that we had this level of backup stock that was able to help us get through this and make sure that we really didn't miss a beat. Um, don't. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I might be talking to you steady face over here, but I'm really running around under the water. You know, that sort of duck analogy. Um, but uh, but but yes, it's it's having that type of inventory backup that allows us to have this level of confidence in these products. This episode is sponsored by Uniboard. Uniboard, the North American leader in the design and manufacture of particle board, MDF, and decorative composite wood panels. Uniboard is renowned for having one of the most extensive product portfolios of engineered wood products in North America, ranging from deep embossed and synchronized TFL textures to ultralight MDF. Uniboard's products are sold to retailers, distributors, and finished goods manufacturers, which cater to the kitchen cabinet, furniture, office, home renovation, and construction industries. Uniboard. Redefining wood. We're in an unprecedented global situation, and uh, and you know you you would have thought in February that the fact that we're all still wearing masks and canceling 
sales appointments and canceling trade shows in September, you know, would have would have been unthinkable. And and yet the smoke still hasn't cleared, and uh, and I'm I'm not sure when it will. So you know how how has that changed your business? How do you think it's changed the market? And and then you know the million dollar question is how do you think it's going to influence the market going forward? Again, I'll, I'll reference the crystal ball, which would be nice. Right. Um, you know, there's there's a there's an empowering takeaway here, which is that we've seen some parts of of the industry truly decimated, where where just demand has has completely fallen off a cliff. And being able to work with some of these customers, these are customers that work more on on the retail side, some exhibits, uh, and again, these are different parts of the country where it's been hit quite a bit harder. Uh, and being able to see them pivot, being able to see them redevelop who they are and reposition themselves, uh, it's, it's been really, really fun to say almost work with. I know that it's it's uh, you know something that's that's very difficult and and something that need needed to be done. But watching these companies make themselves more flexible to be able to meet the new markets of today, uh, that's that's definitely one element. Uh, some of the other things that we're seeing, uh, this this is a really interesting one that I was talking to a couple of the other sales managers about is that we work very, very closely with our customers, but we only work business to business. We have, we're supposed to have almost no outside contact when it comes to the end consumer, because that's what our customers do and they do it better than we do. Right. Um, but the amount of of calls and emails that I've started getting over the last three, four months, because because you have these customers that are doing their research that are learning about these different unique innovative products that want to learn more, uh, that's that's number one. And then the second is is when they're making their decisions, when someone's redoing a kitchen, they're redoing it today. They want to be able to enjoy it today while they're still potentially locked up or cooped up. Uh, right. and, and we're not seeing as many customers with a sort of six month project base. They're seeing them exceptionally, exceptionally busy today and exceptionally busy for the next four to six weeks. And for the last couple months, we've seen that four to six weeks still continue to stretch itself out. Um, but the ability to to plan like we used to, that that might be something that's changing. And that's why the step that that I've taken and my team has taken is really just pushing on having the inventory here, having it available, uh, making sure that there's a, a sense of urgency when we speak with our customers and you know, getting them what they need as soon as possible. Yeah. So make some bold predictions. You know, it uh, they they say it takes you know six weeks to create a new habit, and and we've uh, we've changed the world and the way the world operates for six months now. So you know, it's it's interesting because uh, you know now I think the whole world and and normal average Joes are are now keenly aware. Of what you know, commercial you know, commercial uh, buildings, pharmacies, hospital settings have known all along about our services is you know they're they're far easier to sanitize. They're you know this that all the benefits of laminates. Um, you know, do you, do you do you forecast this being not an official forecast? Um, this in no way is forward looking, um, but uh, you know, hey, if you had to sit back and guess, you know, the the average consumer is walking around now with hand sanitizers you know attached to their belt and we're washing our hands a hundred times a day and we're finally you know practicing hygiene and common manners of not coughing in each other's faces uh how do you think that's going to carry over into um 
you know, everything within the home, um, you know, business has already been there. But, uh, you know, do you see this being a big tipping point for the industry? Com- completely. Uh, I, I think it's it's a very positive element, just the fact that uh, almost all of our surfaces are, are non-porous. That in itself makes them more hygienic. Uh, there, there's been a, a heightened sensitivity among all of us when it comes to hygiene. And, and you mentioned it. It's, it's when you wash your hands. It's how you wash your hands, the frequency of it, uh, being aware what you're bringing into uh, your home versus what you're bringing into your workplace, sharing with friends and family. Uh, I mean, I, I'm definitely concerned and, and interested to see what the next set of shows look like, what what KBIS looks like, what IWF right. looks like. You know, being able to interact with 100, 200 people a day is is something that I, I get a lot of joy out of. Um, but when it comes to to our industry, uh, I think that this is definitely a a, a step in, in the right direction where it's pushing a lot of our customers to, again, ask questions, be more open to the idea of, of change and new technologies, uh, to research these technologies to get a better sense of it. Uh, and then, you know, with it, we're going to see what technologies come out of it because there have been hundreds, if not thousands of, of articles and questions out there about what it means to be antibacterial or what right. it means to be antimicrobial. Uh, yeah. And these are all, all elements that now that the focus is there, the attention from our suppliers is going to be there. Uh, I think a good way to look at this is when we look at some of the trends that are that have come in the market over the last few years. Uh, I think about uh, the trend of you know just uh, reducing the footprint that a lot of the manufacturers have on the environment. Right. right. Started with CARB two, from there moved to TSCA, uh, and we're we're seeing more specs than ever for no added uh, urethromaldehyde for for other types of products. Um, that pushed a lot of our suppliers to be able to meet those needs. Right. Uh, I see as well when it comes to projects and you know the uh, all the different you know, all the different ways that that our customers are servicing these projects that we need to have a better option to to meet the needs of our customers and develop a, a good better best offering. So right. if you needed to extract costs from a project, you don't have to do that on margin. You can do that by using a product that gives the same look and feel, but just comes in at a slightly lower cost base. And that's where I see the next steps for our suppliers is them really focusing on, you know, what type of, of interesting technologies can they incorporate from other industries and bring it in. Uh, I think one of one of the most interesting sort of flips that I've seen is that the medical industry used to take a lot of feedback from the hospitality industry. Uh, mm. You know, how do you cycle patients through efficiently and how do you maintain a certain level of cleanliness from room to room and now i'm starting to see the hospitality industry take a lot of you know these these best practices from the medical industry and incorporate them in so that they can provide a a you know full security self-security to their customers knowing that they're going to be safe using that space after someone else used it recently uh so i think that that the more that we integrate these different parts of the industry and Again, the more focus there is on, on developing solutions, it's it's really been incredible to see what some of our suppliers and customers have come up with. And that's what I'm excited about, is to see yeah. what's coming next. Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, and, and I, I wonder because this has gone on long enough where we're starting to hear things, you know, I mean, that's one of the privileges of, of being a publication like Surface and Panel. I mean, we're, we're, we're usually the first to hear about things. 
um, and kind of starting to connect the dots to see trends. This, you know, the COVID situation obviously is uh, is a global issue. Everybody's in the same boat, and it's been going on long enough that you know. Do you think this is going to be the new trend? You know, the the new green. So, like you said, you know, uh, the green movement, you know, really affected everything, right? When you really think about it and you really dive in from manufacturing, um, you know, that became, you know, kind of a value add or a differentiator in the way people manufacture things, things like off gassing, things like the materials used, uh, recycling, all the way down to, you know, even, you know, low energy LED now is, is standard. Nobody uses bulbs anymore. Um, and and even things like um, you know hardware pertaining to um, trash cans within the the kitchen. There's always two now, right? One is recycling, one is core waste. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, thinking about COVID, you know, is is this the next new movement? You know, when you're think about manufacturers designing hardware, for example, you know, is it smooth and easy to disinfect? You know, versus you know, more ridged and ornate where you've got little crevices that, you know, make it harder to clean. You know, do you now have two or possibly three receptacles? And one of those, you know, this is a conversation we just had uh, with somebody else that, um, you know, somebody was asking, and this was happening up in Canada, that there's this big question and movement that if everybody's supposed to be wearing gloves and masks, where are all the receptacles to dispose of this? So if we're talking about them being borderline hazardous materials because of passing virus and infection, then you want to dispose of those in somewhere where they can't cross-contaminate. Um, so, you know, there, there's all kinds of little nuances to think about. So do you see this, this being a forward-moving trend that's going to influence design? It, I think it will... It will influence design. Um, again, a lot, a lot to think about from that. So, my, I don't think it's going to be a COVID movement. Uh, I don't think that that's what what they're going to call it. I think that it's it's again understanding uh, of hygiene that that comes around it. And so, uh, I think that the different types of designs are going to be more about you know how can we how can we properly clean our surfaces and what's the best way to maintain these surfaces? And, and that might be integrated. Um, but I, I think that, that now hygiene is something that's, that's on the forefront of our minds as, as we think about uh, where we're going to be cooking, where we're going to be eating, uh, you know, a, a really interesting uh, design trend that I've been seeing with some of our customers is uh, when they think about the interior of their cabinets, right? Now, I don't want to put you on the spot and I don't want to ask you when the last time is you clean the inside of your kitchen cabinets, but that's that's an area where once you close that cabinet door, it's neglected. Um, and so being able to have, you know, either a, a sealed interior of your cabinet or having some sort of feature on the panel that that does make it more hygienic, because that's where you're keeping your dishes, your plates, your cutleries. Right. These are the thoughts that I see coming to the forefront. Um, now, a lot of your question really focused on on the science of, of COVID and who knows, who knows what the next six months or what the next year looks like. But I think that right now from a design mindset, um, we're all very focused on, you know, how do we, how do we develop again, these, these new designs and solutions that make us feel safe in our own home, in our office uh, or wherever we spend the most of our time. 
Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. So, so do you think the uh, the European cheek kiss and the American handshake are dead forever, and we're just going to be fist bumping globally from now on? I have no idea. <laughs> I, you know, it, to right now, it's it's such a personal question to to each their own. Um, I can tell you that that what I really appreciate is is that I used to have to travel sometimes. 500 miles and, and sometimes 5,000 miles to see customers and suppliers. And right now I get to have anywhere between four and eight conversations like this a day, whether it be with suppliers, with customers, um, you know, the fact that I can't shake your hand or give you a hug, sure, it, it takes away. But the fact that we're really embracing, right, we're, we're a legacy industry that's really embracing new technologies, including this, that, you know, are making it more efficient to communicate, that are improving the speed that we're able to go to market, uh, you know, allows me to do that many more presentations, allows me to be that much more reachable for both right. the sales team to talk about my products and the customers that use it. Um, that's, that's what I'm embracing. And it, it could be, you know, glasses, glasses half full type of outlook. Uh, but I really still see a lot of, of positive trends coming through the pipeline. Uh, and I embrace, you know, folks like yourselves and, and others to reach out and, have a conversation if there's something you'd like to learn a little bit more about or, uh, you know, to deep dive into some of these really, really interesting, unique products that are hitting the market. I, I love it. I, I, I think we can't have too many glass half full conversations. So uh, so I applaud you for it. So I, I really appreciate this. We always uh, we always wrap up each podcast with a couple of questions. Uh, you know, the first is, um, you know, your, your closing thoughts to the industry. This is, you know, a couple minutes to talk to, you know, the entire global audience, you know, that, that will be watching this, you know, what, what are your thoughts? Um, and, uh, and then close with, uh, what do you love most about this industry? What keeps you in this industry? Yeah. Um, so reaching out to the industry, I mean, this is a great time to say, it, it's a good time to, to keep your eyes open, to look around, to to see what you're doing and to see if there's maybe another another direction that you want to incorporate or if there's uh, anything else that might be a good time to look at. How do you promote your products? What products do you promote? Do you want to be uh, a flexible supplier that can offer just about every type of feature and design? Or do you want to leverage the designs that we have in this industry to create a, a personal identity, something that that is your brand, something that is exclusively you. And it doesn't really matter which direction you decide that that you want to go in. Uh, there are, are thousands of products, like you said, 110,000 specifically, thousands of products that, that we can introduce you to, that we can help support you with uh, and, uh, and, and help you take that next step. Um, with that being said, I, I pride myself on being a partner, um, really uh, going through the details with our customers to figure out uh, what these next steps are and mm. that's my favorite part of my job so if you want to do me a favor reach out and let's have this conversation it stops me from having to look at at spreadsheets reviewing inventory that's something i can always do after hours yeah, um, I, so. and then the second part of your question was that the outlook for the industry uh, again i consider i continue to see these new technologies that come in and and these new technologies are are from my perspective, they're breathtaking. I, I almost can't believe that they're able to come up with, with so many complementary products that allow us to reach that next level of design. And, and what I can support you with are fantastic ingredients. At the end of the day, you're the chef, 
right? So, so understanding what's out there, where to get the right quality, where to get the right cost to hit that type of offering that you're looking for. Uh, I mean, this is, this is the time to do it when you see a little bit of, of downtime or when you see a little bit of a lag. Uh, and there are a lot of experts in the industry that, that really love to work on these types of cases. Uh, and so hopefully uh, we can have more conversations about premium panels, advancements in technologies in terms of surfaces, uh, where we're seeing trends, colors, designs, species, wood grains, um, and, uh, and from there come up with something that is, is truly new and unique and, and with that inspiring. I love it. I love it. Tyler Sharp from Richelieu, I can't thank you enough for the time and, uh, you know, for sharing uh, all that information, all those thoughts. It, it was really such a privilege to be here. Thanks so much, Patrick. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. This podcast was created by Surface and Panel, uniting materials, technology, and design. See you again soon.